This episode of The Taylor Stevens Show is brought to you by listeners, readers, and patrons. If you'd like to learn how to support this podcast, please visit www.patreon.com slash taylorstevens. Taylor Stevens, the New York Times best-selling and award-winning author of Kick-Ass International Thrillers, and this is The Taylor Stevens Show with my good friend Steve Campbell, where we are kicking writing in the butt, one word at a time. Haha, I used your second name again. I know, but it's the second time. <laughs> I did it for fun. All right, I gotta mark that down. <laughs> so Taylor, uh, we are recording this on February 24th, which is kind of right smack dab in the middle of winter, Julie and I are heading to Texas this weekend. What's the weather like? Oh, I'm sure it'll be lovely by the time you get here. <laughs> it's not lovely right now. Uh, this is, what, the fourth time we've been frozen over since this winter started, which is really, I mean, unusual for Texas. Like, last year we got that deep, deep, deep Arctic blast, which was like a once-in-a-decade event. And then this year, we've gotten some pretty cold freezes, which, I mean, we get those every few years. It's not the end of the world, but there's been four of them this year, and I'm so over it. And I know everybody in Minnesota and Wisconsin, North Dakota and Wyoming and all those places up there in Montana are all just laughing at me. But this is Texas. We're not used to that kind of stuff. You you wouldn't survive our summers, so, you know, it goes both ways. But, yeah, I'm so ready for it to be over. <laughs> Are you tired of knitting sweaters for your geese and your goats? No, because I don't knit them. But I, I, <laughs> I'm i tired of putting baby goat jackets on and taking baby goat jackets off. And that white goat, as of today, still has not released her hostages. <laughs> and now I'm, like, sweet-talking her again. Like, could you just wait another couple of days, please? And then, oh, God, yeah, so... So much excitement. Oh, well, I hope it's cleared up by the time we get there. But I, in looking at the weather forecast, it's supposed to be in the it's supposed to be 30 on one of the mornings that we're there, um, which is freezing and uh, a little like in the 60s, one of the days, but pretty much raining the whole time. So we'll see how it goes. It'll be it'll be interesting. We don't have a lot of really nice cold weather gear. Uh, you'll be fine. You know, basically, you're going to be indoors the whole time. That's, we we well, do we have houses here and, yeah. and roofs and, you know, so you'll be okay. <laughs> yeah, it's just walking from the <laughs> Austin airport over outside. to the rental car place. <laughs> yeah. All right. So a couple weeks ago in episode 322, we talked about the idea of using place as a character in a story. And you were just kind of speaking off the cuff. And as I understand it, you've given it some more thought and have some more opinions on that. I always have opinions. <laughs> yes. Um, I, I was, you know, I didn't know the answer to that question. I was just kind of like mulling over it out loud. That's what the sh I was just trying to think it over out loud. But after it was done, um, you know, I was, I was thinking about it more. And I, I started watching this show and I don't like drawing off of, TV for these necessarily because this is a writing podcast. We talk about writing, but sometimes TV really does have good takeaways that we can draw from. And so not only is this episode going to be a TV one, but I'm pretty sure the next one's going to be too. But anyway, 
for this one, um, I started watching. By the way, I stopped watching Blacklist. I just couldn't, couldn't anymore. <laughs> <laughs> just couldn't, <laughs> because like as much as I enjoyed the story, I, I just I felt like I hated being treated like an idiot. Like, I haven't had everything so overexplained for me. I just I just couldn't. But so I started. Okay, what else is there that I can can watch? And I started watching the show, the Col- the Colony, not the Colony, Colony. And with me, typically I will. Um, go look up, like, does it come to a conclusion? I, as the, my biggest beef with TV shows is you start watching them and then they either just drag on and on or you don't get any ending. They just kind of drop off. And I, I don't like that. So I always want to know before I get invested in, as, is that what I'm dealing with? And I already know that this does not have an ending, this show. But I was already like three episodes in at that point And I was like, well, screw it. I'm in. So now I know it doesn't have a resolution and I'm just going to watch it anyway because I, I'm fascinated by this. And if you haven't seen the show, I forget where I'm watching. I think it's on Netflix. But if you haven't seen it, basically, um, it this, the setup for it is that there has been an alien invasion. And when the show starts, you don't you've never seen the aliens. You don't you don't really know anything about it. It's called they talk about it as the arrival. And this is the aftermath. and the show follows this particular family mostly and a few other you know other characters they're in a city that's it's a zone where the aliens the superior intelligence force has basically walled it off with a 300 foot wall if you're you're in that wall you're in it like you cannot get out unless you're given specific passes or if you're a prisoner and there's all kinds of other things going on in the background that you know about that have to do with this invasion, but you don't understand it because it's not explained. It starts to become clear as time goes on. And the main character is, uh, the characters are a husband and wife. There are two kids. They have a third child who was on the other side of the wall. When the wall came down, they couldn't get to him fast enough. So their family is split up. They don't know what's happened to him. And there is sort of a resistance, but it's very feeble um, because when the aliens invaded, they had everything. They knew everything there was to know about everybody, at least in this country. You know, it's very mainly United States. So it's very U.S. centric. Uh, we don't really know what's happening in other parts of the world. And the people in the zones don't know, know either. And when the aliens arrived, they basically, instead of just obliterating everything, they set up these um, these zones and they established their own government they're they call it trans authority and they they took out like when they arrived they took out all they took out the satellites they took out they emp struck everything so the people who are living in these zones some of them do have functional cars if they're part of the new government but most people get around on bikes they they telephones they're back to using mostly landlines like it it's taking technology back but deliberately on purpose because they don't want people to have access to the internet that because that's what allows organization to happen. So they struck all the important military facilities. They got rid of anybody who knew how to defend, like special forces. People were just obliterated with very powerful, sophisticated, targeted weapons that we can't even would have no way to fight. So the people who have given in, who've sort of become the new overlords, they've taken this idea of, well, we can't fight it, 
So the best way to protect ourselves is to go along with it. That's the environment, right? That's the world that this show takes place in. And as I'm watching it, I'm thinking, if ever there is a place that I've seen where the setting is part of this, like, that's a character in the story. It, it This story cannot exist without those that setting. Well, this is it. So I started looking at it like, well, what can we take away from this as as storytellers, what is it about this setting that is so real and so alive that it makes us go, this place is like a character? And this whole setting as a character thing, I still haven't found the language to describe how I feel about it, because like I said in that previous episode, I don't think it can actually ever be a thing. A setting cannot be a character unless it's actually sentient and can talk and control environment. Otherwise, it's this passive thing. So I'm thinking of it in terms of what is it that makes us feel like the setting is part of a character? And that's where we got to, you know, it's dynamic, things can happen, it's um, it feels real, it feels authentic, right? So that all is established here. We we know that's our baseline, feels real, is authentic, the story has to happen here for it to make sense. But the other thing we were talking about on that previous episode is the characters, right? The characters are what bring it alive and that spotlight of showing the detail. So that's where I was coming from when I was watching this and I was trying to say, well, would these same concepts apply to Harry Potter, for example? Like what I'm seeing here that's making this setting feel like a quote unquote character. I apologize for the background noise. My cat is up on my desk and there's nothing I can do. He's going to pull push pins out of my cork board and there's nothing I can do about it. <laughs> so anyway, um, so I'm looking at this and what I feel, which just brings it back to focus in on our prior discussion in this is that it is the characters. The characters in your story are what make your setting feel like a place. It is, no, setting feel like a character, <laughs> your place feel like a character. It It's more than just the physical things. Like we need that setting, we need the physical description of the setting to set the stage. That the this is the world that the characters are moving through. But it cannot be real. It cannot come to life. It cannot draw the reader in and make them feel attached to it without the characters, the real, living, breathing, authentic characters that you're creating. Those characters are going to determine how your audience feels about the setting. Those characters, the way you feel about those characters is going to um, project onto your feeling about the setting. And the way that your characters feel is going to determine how they act, which is what they do. So in this show, you have characters that I mean, characters obviously react in different ways. They're not uniform, right? That's what sets the setting for conflict. And, you know, I've never read the Harry Potter's books. Well, one of them, but 
I I've seen the movies. <laughs> We're talking about movies, but um, the way I understand Harry Potter, the Hog- whole Hogwarts castle is even though the castle is alive in a sense, what really endears us to that setting and makes it be a place that we want to keep coming back to is how we feel about the characters, uh, how we feel about them. So if, if, the Harry Potter books had been written with characters that you, without characters that you could feel for, become emotionally invested in, the feelings for Hogwarts as a place would also not, you wouldn't be a place that you feel like invested in that you want to come back to. So it, this, all of this reinforces, maybe clarifies, I guess, the point that we started with in that previous episode about this is that you cannot make a location feel real and alive by description alone. Like you need it, but, and, and it would be a different story if the setting was different. It's critical to the story, but even more important than that stage is what is happening on it and who it is happening to. So, I know that this is very similar to what we discussed before, but it's it's more crystallized in my mind now. The answer is it's the question, how do you enamor readers to a setting so that it feels real and alive like a character? It is your characters. That is how you do it. You need the details, of course, which sets the stage for what your care the stage that your characters are going to walk on and interact with. That's their world in the same way that in this show, The Colony not the colony in the show colony the um this this zone where the the characters all live or are trapped in that is their world that is the setting we need that but that alone is meaningless outside those walls is just a vast landscape of of destruction that's a setting too we don't care about that. Why not? Because there's no characters in it. We're not following the characters in their drama. And so it doesn't feel alive to us. It's just something that's out there. I'm thinking about cozy mysteries or cozy stories. And I think I brought this up in the previous episode about it as well, is the characters. Like, who are the quirky characters that make the quirky characters in your setting are what's going to make it a quirky village. It's not quirky buildings, even though you can have quirky buildings. Um, Hobbitville in Lord of the Rings is not Hobbitville because of the the tiny little houses with their round doors. I mean, those could be rabbit burrows, you know, whatever. It is the hobbits that make it what it is. And it's what those characters are and how they live and what they do that make that place feel like a real place. So it always comes back to character, 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 who your characters are, what they fear, what challenges they're facing, how they deal with those challenges and what happens in this environment. So in Colony, it's there's a lot of conflict because, of course, this place is being surveilled, uh, monitored. Everything is very tightly controlled. So for anything to happen, there's always a risk. So we're not enamored with the place necessarily it's not like we have warm feelings about it like we would maybe say Hogwarts but we're definitely engaged with it emotionally invested 
because of the things that can happen there. So in Hogwarts as a setting, the things that can happen are mostly interesting or funny or entertaining or, you know, involve new spells or new secret staircases or just new discoveries, right? But usually it is, well, there's a lot of darkness in it, but the the location itself mostly is associated with good things. In Colony, it's exactly the opposite. The location itself is mostly associated with bad things. But the emotional investment is there. And it's not because of the place. It's because of what can happen in the place and who those things can happen to, which is the characters, and the the potential for good or bad that can happen to those characters. If you have poorly drawn characters or one-dimensional or low-dimensional characters, characters that aren't fully developed to the point of re feeling real and alive, there's no way that you can make your location feel real and alive because the location setting is dependent on the characters. You can create it descriptively, like, you know, if you if you look at the informationist and how it's set in Ectoral Guinea and you took out every single line of that book that had any character movement or any dialogue or anything like that, you'd be left with very, 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 very small amount of pages. And that book probably has more of it than any of the other books that I have written because I learned more as I went how to integrate the description and the setting in with character movement, character um, involvement to to tie it directly to the characters. And I didn't know how to do that in The Informationist. But The Information is also the most realistic setting because I was specifically writing about that place and I developed the characters in order to write about that place. But even still, if you take out all the parts of the setting that have anything to do with character, you're not left with very much because character is what's ultimately on the page anyway, driving the details, driving that story. And that is, that's the essence of it. You want your setting to feel real. Your characters have to feel real and they have to be connected to that place in some way that their connection to it means something emotionally. As, as you were talking, I was thinking, and I, I can't think of specifics, but in, in reading some, some cozy mysteries uh, with quirky settings and quirky characters, I realized that one of the techniques that authors use, and it's exactly what you're talking about, is A, you've got the quirky character who interacts with the quirky settings in such a way that it's fun, it's engaging, and you like the character and you like the setting more because of the way that the two kind of interact together or go together. And then it can be amped up by having a, let's say, it, the whatever the opposite of a quirky character is, somebody who's maybe kind of boring, uh, straight-laced, not interesting, and they hate it. They hate this stuff that's going on, which, as a reader, assuming that you're on the side of the quirky character in the quirky setting, that amps up the desirability of the setting. 
Yes, absolutely. 100%. And when we talk about, okay, so when we're looking at series, for example, that tend to take place in the same location and not jump all over the place. When we talk about returning to that world, we're not, you know, that desire to, to return to that world. It is not because of the world necessarily per se on its own. It is because we want to accompany the characters back to that place because of the way those characters interact with it or the way they interact with each other in that setting. So I'm I'm thinking, okay, how do we get away from the Hogwarts analogy and the and colony analogy? And I'm thinking, well, you brought up quirky books that are setting and I'm thinking, okay, what about Florida books? Like the ones that are beached, you know, that that whole laid back beach theme sort of Carl Heisen, whatever, right? When we want to return to the series parts of the world, yes, the setting plays such a huge role in that desire because that's the stage. But if not for the characters that are interacting on that stage, there'd be no point in returning. So that's how you can sometimes get scenarios where an author has two sets of characters, like two different, completely different series they're in the same general location, but they're two completely different casts of characters. And you find yourself going, yeah, I want to return to that setting through this cast of characters, but not that cast of characters. And that's because it's not the setting is entwined, but it's the characters that are really ultimately making it what it is for you. And in some instances, it's the antagonist who only plays a, a role in one book that can really amp up the value of the setting in the reader's mind. And when that character is going in the next book, it's not as much fun. Yes, 100%. So the takeaway from this is, after all that rambling, two shows talking about it, ultimately, you want your place to feel real alive. You want your setting to be a quote-unquote character in the book. You only can get that through making your characters feel real and alive and then adding in enough of the stage setting and having them interact on that stage that the setting becomes integral to those characters' lives. All right, so we will wrap it up with that. Thank you guys for listening. We will be back with you again next Tuesday. Thanks for being here, guys. See you next week.